We would just love to thank our Patreon partners, Vicki Price, Stephanie Kern, Maureen O'Brien, and Willie P. We are so grateful for your support at the top level on our Patreon page. Um, it means a lot to us personally, but it also means that they get these benefits. They get behind the scenes content, a discount on continued trainings, they get listed on each episode of the Persons with Lived Experience podcast, and they get early ticket access to events like our upcoming Dad Jokes for Change fundraiser, where Vicki, Stephanie, Maureen, and Willie P will be our VIPs. We invite you to join us as well to be a patron of the Persons with Lived Experience podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash bring freedom org thank you so much hi guys welcome to the persons with lived experience podcast inspiring stories for unprecedented times with dixie and zona i have been vigilant in our home we had one imac that was in the most commonly used space in the home the kitchen they were parental controls no one could download apps without our permission no one could go on multiplayer games um, it, it, everything, I thought I was doing everything and I honestly thought, not my kid, it's never. This podcast contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take precautions for yourself. Thank you. I'm Dixie, and I'm all about joy, justice, and fair trade fashion. I'm an anti-trafficking advocate, mom of many, and passionate worshiper. And I'm Zona. I'm a writer, a speaker, a person with lived experience of human trafficking and homelessness. I'm a tiny house enthusiast, a serial foodie, and you can find more about me on ChristianInfluencerInspired.com. Our guest today is Jen Hoey. She's a parent cyber safety consultant and founder of Not My Kid, offering information and resources to parents with specific focus on keeping children safe online by delaying exposure to screens and preventing online child exploitation. Jen is the mother of three children and has navigated some negative experiences with her older kids online. The most challenging was her daughter's exposure to a predator via an online game when she was only nine years old. This provided her with personal insight into some of the challenges both children and parents face today. Jen has completed many courses in the area of online safety and is in the process of studying a degree in criminology and criminal justice to further her knowledge in this space. Through her work managing her husband's psychiatric practice for over a decade, she has also noted an alarming escalation in teens seeking help, with problematic internet use being a significant factor. Mm-hmm. All of this has contributed to her mission to preserve childhood and keep all children safe from online child exploitation by empowering their parents through education. Her passion and primary focus is fighting the epidemic of child exploitation online. Thank you so much for being with us today, Jen. It's an absolute pleasure. Yes. Um, Well, we are so excited to dig into your story. And um, 
really help you know us wrap our minds around wow this is not just random children that are uncared for and you know have free reign on the internet you know this this happens with, with really good families and um, people that are really trying so so my daughter was nine years old now the best way to describe my daughter was a child who was full of life um, I mean, you wouldn't walk away from her without a smile on your face. She was sociable. She, she loved dancing. She loved gymnastics. Um, she loved making slime. And overnight, something changed. Now, at the time, we did not know what had happened. All we knew was we had a child who was suddenly, suddenly overnight had become listless. Uh, she began to eat a lot less. Um, she gave up everything she enjoyed. The most noticeable thing for me was her separation anxiety from me. Now, she went to school, but apart from that, she needed to know that I was in her immediate vicinity to the extent that I couldn't even go to the supermarket without her needing to be with me. Mm. One evening, we were going for a walk and she looked at um, her stepdad and I and she said, do you have any hopes and dreams for the future? And I thought this was a strange question coming from a nine-year-old and we said, yes, Yes, we do. And she said, well, I have none. And that was a red flag. As, as you said in the introduction, I managed my husband's psychiatric practice. He is a psychiatrist. Both of us began to become concerned that she was developing a depressive syndrome. Mm -hmm. A few days later, the school called and they said, you need to come and fetch her now. She's inconsolable. On the way to fetching her from school, I called the pediatrician, one who we'd seen a few years previously, and I said, I need an urgent appointment today. I just mm. really sensed something was wrong. When I got to school, her teacher looked at me and said, she's telling me that everyone in the world has a warm red heart, but hers is cold and blue. Now, I'm sorry, I do get emotional sometimes even just thinking about it. Um, we went straight to the, the pediatrician. He diagnosed her with clinical depression. And he said, I'm giving you one month uh, with a psychologist. And if, she, if there's no significant improvement, we will have no choice but to medicate her. And he explained that sometimes medication can lift a person slightly out of a depressive syndrome so that they can engage in psychological mm -hmm. therapy. She didn't engage with the psychologist. Um, and this was approaching Christmas time. And I remember her coming and saying to me, I do not want Father Christmas coming into this house. And I thought, oh, that, that's, that's very strange. And I said, why? And she said, he is a stranger. I don't trust him. So mm -hmm. we agreed that we'd leave the stockings outside the front door. Mm -hmm. And in the new year, I, I, I managed to get a referral to another psychologist, someone who I'd heard a lot of good things about. And my daughter and I started seeing her together. Six months later, the, the pediatrician was satisfied that she was improving enough so that he could cease her medication but she still had not resumed any of the activities that she'd mm -hmm. once enjoyed. And her separation anxiety was marginally better, I hope mm -hmm. I can say that. Fast forward to the next, the beginning of the following year. This was the, the last year of primary school where they introduced sex education and a note came home to the parents asking us to give consent. And my daughter kept saying, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that course, I absolutely don't. Which I thought was strange because we'd had reasonably open conversations. Mm -hmm. And one night she called me into her room and she was very distressed. And she said, mommy, I've done something terrible. Now, in that moment, I said to her, 
is there anything more you can tell me? And she scribbled two words on a piece of paper, sex and game. Now, as a parent, I have to say, I had a suspicion that I knew what she was trying to say to me. And I, my heart was sinking to the ground. But I knew exactly what she needed. She needed me to be her rock. And so I remained utterly composed and I wrapped my arms around her. And I said, can you tell me some more? And she said, I was on a game and I did the one thing that you told me not to do. I went onto the chat and I started chatting to someone and she was another nine-year-old little girl. And we started role-playing sex acts in the game. And she said, and I went back a few times and she said, and one day the girl said to me, if you tell anyone what we've been doing in this game, we will both go to jail. So this has to be a secret. Hmm. And I comforted her. Now, we'd done protective behavior education. So I said to her, sometimes we don't feel the early warning signs when we're feeling excited and something's different and something feels exciting. I said, but you are a little girl and you are completely innocent. And I believe that that other person was an adult. And she was like, no, 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 no. And in that moment, I knew I couldn't press the issue further. So I sat with her until she fell asleep. And the next day I called the police. And I actually called them because I knew that she hadn't been on the game for two years. So I actually called them just to ask them if they had a list of games on their website where they knew predators were known to frequent. And their response to me was, no, they're on all the games. Anywhere there's a child online, they are predators. Yes. And they asked me to tell them a little bit more about what had happened, and I did. And I was incredibly fortunate because often the local police are not this compassionate, but they said, please give your daughter a message. She's innocent. This was definitely predatory behavior. They always threatened the child. Yeah and please tell her she's safe. So later that day, and I still remember exactly where I was driving when I told her, I said, I called the police. She broke down and said, are they coming to get me? And I said, no. I said, this is what they said. And she silently absorbed this. And beginning of her first year of high school, she wanted to go and see a band that she really loved, a dance band. And I said, I'll, I'll take you if you re-enroll in dance classes. And she reluctantly agreed, but that passion has remained with her to this day. Mm. So I do believe that there were three things that were crucial in her recovery. The first was my reaction that night. If I had broken down and cried, if I had got angry, she would have shut down. Mm. The second was the message from law enforcement, because as much as I could continued to tell her, no, 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 it was another adult. I think coming from the police, she, she paid attention. Yes. And mm -hmm. the third was me getting her to rediscover something that she'd once been so passionately about. Green mm -hmm. Freedom's fundraiser, Dad Jugs for Change, is coming up on June 10th. Tickets will be available for pre-order on the website bringfreedom.org on May 10th. We can't wait to see you there. But I have to be honest, as a parent, you're left feeling utterly alone. You, 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 my daughter had promised me not to tell anybody. I, I did speak to her stepdad. But apart from that, I kept silent. And, and, and I felt ashamed that I hadn't been able to protect her. I had been vigilant 
In our home, we had one iMac. That was in the most commonly used space in the home, the kitchen. They were parental controls. No one could download apps without our permission. No one could go on multiplayer games. Um, it, it, everything, I thought I was doing everything. And I honestly thought, not my kid. It's never going to happen to my child. She did later tell me that it had happened at someone else's home. Mm. Um, but it was only really when my son started primary school that I, the one way I, the one thing I didn't able to, to cope was to get educated. So mm -hmm. I yeah. listened to every podcast. I, I um, enrolled in criminology. I did every online course, read every book I possibly could, just so that I could mm -hmm. read every report. I just wanted to understand this crime type. And when my little boy, who's now nine, started primary school, I was really concerned for how many children were being left alone unsupervised online in his class. They were using six-year-olds. And so I decided to start a Facebook group, which is not my kid. And that group has now grown to over 5,500 members, all of whom are parents and educators wanting to understand how to keep their children safe. <laughs> but it took a few months later because a dear friend of mine knew that I was still sitting with this heavy baggage, this heavy weight on my shoulder about the real reason why I had started this group. Right. And she said, just write the story down. Just, just write it for yourself as it's a process of healing. And I did so in one sitting. And I said to my daughter, I've written what happened to you in a story. And she said, I don't want to read it. And I said, that's okay. Yeah. But it's here when you need to. And two weeks later, she came and said, can I read it? And a week later, she said, can I share it with a friend? Okay. And that opened up a channel of communication between us. She was able to finally start to talk about what had happened. Before that, we we talked about sexting, pornography, consent, all of the subjects. But she couldn't touch on the incident. And after that, just having that story written down on a piece of paper allowed her I think in a way to see herself as not a victim but a survivor she she she, she and, and a year later at 16 she gave me permission to go public with her story so it's really due to her that I'm here sharing this with you today it's her bravery um, sorry. we're very grateful yeah. it's, um... thank you yeah, obviously. Very emotional. Yes, I was like, I've been uh, no. gearing up. <laughs> Sorry. It still is emotional for me to talk about. Of course, yeah. of course. And, you know, please pass our thanks on to her for her bravery and um, just not just bravery, but sh by sharing her story. Um, and overcoming, she is empowering so many other parents and other children to protect themselves. And um, she's uh, making a big difference. <laughs> I will tell her, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I think that there are a few things I've learned along the way and there's certain things that I've done differently with my own little boy. And that is one of the most crucial things is talking a lot more frequently. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I've educated him about, you know, safe and unsafe secrets, using the correct names for his body parts. We never, ever use another word other than the correct name for our body parts. Um, I've explained to him that a safe secret 
is one that has an end in sight yes. and that an unsafe secret has no end. We've mm -hmm. unpacked our early warning feelings. So I've told him where I feel it when I'm nervous and I've asked him to tell me. Um, we've even touched on, and I know for some parents, this is a very tricky subject, but we have touched on private and public photographs. And I've told him private photographs online is called porn because I, I know that at nine, very, very soon, he will have some form of exposure. Yeah. And the other thing I've done is I've come up with a code word. So because I know children don't, they don't want to disappoint their parents, I've said to him, if you're ever worried that I will be upset or angry with you, let's come up with a word together. And I give you my word that I will be absolutely calm. He knows what I do. So I've said nothing can shock me. There's nothing yeah. that can shock me. But yeah. if you're ever worried, you can use that code word and I will help you. Because yes. I think that that's something that we forget, that we can have all these conversations with our children. But at the end of the day, they really don't want to let us down or disappoint us. So I think we need to get in first and say, I've told him, your brain is immature. You will make mistakes. And I promise you, I'm here to rescue you the minute you fall. Um, maybe not without consequences, but I'm definitely here to help you. Yeah. Right. That's important. I think yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. Yes. Um, so with, you said you had three children? Yeah. Okay. So, so I've got an older son. Okay. Is there anything you've done differently between like your, your daughter and your sons? Look, with my oldest son, he was my learning curve. And we went through quite a lot together, I have to say. Um, he came out at 15, and he experienced an incredible amount of cyberbullying sure. um, in the physical world and online. So we had to navigate that together. All my children, or my older two, had a very delayed start to social media. But mm. I made the mistake of giving him Snapchat at 16, and he did get involved in the sexting incident. Mm. And that is the one moment when I did the one thing that I advised parents not to do. I got upset. Yeah. I was like, we've had these conversations. How could this happen? But right. then I went and I actually apologized. And some parents are like, well, why did you apologize to him? He did the wrong thing. And I'm like, no, because he made an impulsive decision and yeah. he needed my help. There were consequences. He lost Snapchat, for example. But um, we worked through those consequences together. And the mm -hmm. most important thing I needed him to know is that I was there to support him along the way. Um, with my little boy, he does not have access online. So he's nine. He has no personal devices. If he does have to do something for school, he is supervised directly by myself or my husband, which means we're yeah. sitting next to him. And this is the advice that comes directly from the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation. They yeah. basically say no child in primary school should not be, should be left unsupervised online. Um, and, you know, in their report of 2020, terribly, terribly sad to read, but only 3% of parents were concerned about online grooming, um, which was quite shocking for me to read. Yeah. But um, as well as that, I've explained to him why. Um, you know, I've explained to him why the rules are in place. He knows about online predators. I've downloaded an app where I've changed my appearance to look like a little girl. I've shown that to him because 
children find it really hard to actually understand what you're saying when they when they hear you saying, "Oh, they speak or pretend to be children." You know, one day he said to me, "Yeah, but mummy, I mean, you know, they they can't just pretend to be children. I mean, no grown up can sound like a child." And I was like, "Okay, let me show you. This is a picture of me. This is a picture of me as a little girl. This is how they trick you." They learn language that children are saying, and especially on online games. Oh, yeah. um, so you know, um, I, I I I have incredibly far more frequent than I did with my older two, regretfully, <laughs> regrettably. Um, but you know, I just want him to understand why the rules are in place. I don't just want to say no. I just I want him to really understand why there is that boundary. Mm -hmm. And that he can come to me if need be, and he has. So right. you know, during the lockdown, he was the one child who, who did go to school because my husband and I had to. Psychiatric practice was going crazy during yeah. lockdown, <laughs> and um, you know, he was able to come and say two children at school were looking at private pictures in the classroom. I was able mm. to immediately address that to the principal. And what I always do is I thank him. I say thank you so much for telling me that's so brave of you. Yeah. Mummy's so proud of you. Because we, we want our children to feel comfortable coming to us. And if we don't have these conversations with them, they are not going to come to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we don't, if they don't feel like we can comfortably have these conversations, they're going to sense that whether it's our body language, our facial expression, our tone of voice, they're going to pick it up. And, and that's why I make it so frequent because, um, I just want him to get used to the fact that this is just an ordinary conversation. Yes. Yeah. And I think you know, because you've explained why you have the rules in place, instead of just because I said so, or this is how it is, um, you've empowered him to protect himself and to you know, protect other kids. And I think that that is really important, especially, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable having these conversations, but when they see how, how powerful it can be and how kids are smart because yeah. if they just think mm -hmm. oh it's just a rule i have to get around to do what i want they exactly. will but <laughs> if they know why then and they really understand they'll really um not only be able to protect themselves but to watch out for others because who doesn't want to be a hero you know? <laughs> exactly that's exactly right it and it's interesting because one, of the, one thing that happened very, very recently, so we have a pin where I have to enter a pin in order for him to access any television channels. And he, he does, and it's a huge TV, so we're only ever in the room if he accesses something like YouTube or YouTube Kids. And he's only allowed to watch things like surfing or, or Lego. Um, but I was away recently, um, actually at a child exploitation conference, <laughs> and my husband accidentally let him see the pin and so I arrived at the airport and he said I know the pin and I was like oh, okay thank you for telling me can I ask you why you wanted to know the pin when you know what we're doing is just to keep you safe and it's interesting what he said he said it was just too tempting and so I think that's something that we also have to remember you know that you know children are children they're yeah. going to push the boundaries. They're yeah. intrinsically made to push the boundaries. Yeah. You know, the pin changed, obviously, but um, it was just a very interesting conversation because it could 
give me some insight as to why sometimes they just do it. They don't even think. They're not even necessarily thinking of doing something bad. They're just like, ah, oh, it's just tempting, you know, so I did it. Yeah. Um, which I found really interesting. So, right. Well, even like when I was little, of course, this is way before the internet, but um, I used to try and read my mom's letters to the babysitter. Like she'd write out just notes for them because I'm like, ooh, I'm going to find out something secret, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Which, of course, there's nothing like that in her letter to the babysitter. <laughs> they just want to know grown-up secrets right exactly and they're curious they're curious i mean and that's precisely why my daughter went on to the chat she was curious yeah Um, unfortunately someone was waiting and that's why i always say to parents if i'm personally i'm very opposed to online gaming because i think i understand how many children are coerced and manipulated via the games and they don't do it in the game chat they move them off to another platform so it's yes. whatsapp or snapchat they're like you know they're immediately moving them off but i always say to parents please disable the chat if you can because it's the one way kids do get into trouble and they cannot read the signs the predators are so cunning i hate to use the word clever always they're cunning and manipulative yes. that our children are are not able to compete against them. Well, and one of the things too that I kind of try to highlight is it is not even uncommon for adults to be coerced exactly. into trafficking. Like it's not something that it's just that they're they're kids. It's the people that are doing this kind of thing are very good at it. And the average well-intended person doesn't think that way, whether they're an right. adult or a child. And that's one of those pieces where it's like, nobody wants to feel stupid yeah, and mm. nobody wants to feel like they've been, um, you know, made fun of or exploited or, you know, like they're kind of the butt end of a joke. Right. And that's yeah. at any age. And exactly. the people that are willing to do that to other people have no care for mm-hmm. what the will be for that other person absolutely that's a great point it really is yeah and many many adults are tricked as well mm-hmm. so you know i think that one i like to say to parents the internet is not age, age segregated but and we also have to look at our own online uh, online behavior um i did a post tonight where um Predators are actually looking at mum managed accounts, which is really mothers posting photographs of their children. They don't actually need to have these children naked. They are just trawling mother's Mm -hmm. accounts. And so I implore parents, ensure that your accounts are private and do not put your child in your profile photo. You're giving away information to Mm -hmm. people who you probably don't want to give it to. Right. Well, and there's the mom managed accounts for the child for like if they're an actor, actress, or a dancer. Yeah. Like, I have friends with their dance moms, and I'm like, Meh. I get, yeah. I get that it's exciting, and your daughter's obviously talented, but for me personally, I wouldn't be putting pictures of my little girl. In a no. leotard, <laughs> which is practically a swimsuit. 
Exactly. Um, right. And and I actually put up um it was it was on Instagram and Facebook tonight, the actual dialogue or at least there was a quote from an online predator taken off the dark web where they're actually talking about how they love the non-managed accounts. <laughs> you know, and so I'd actually I put one from TikTok, one from Instagram and one from Snapchat just to show parents this is this is this is this is what parents knew. Yeah. yeah, this is yeah, this is what they're saying. So we need to pay attention. Um, and you know, in my opinion, those those account those social media platforms should be eighteen plus. Um, I don't think any child should be on them, and and that's having trawled through them extensively, um, especially Snapchat. So yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. a lot of families use uh, Snapchat, but I just haven't seen. <laughs> very much good come from it and the whole idea of something being uh disappearing exactly allows people to feel safer to to share things that they would not share and i get that um but the other part is that's going on to a server somewhere so i I was curious if you'd ever had that conversation with any of your children even with like snapchat where it's like even if you're on a friend's account like that picture lives forever. Oh, I've told them Snapchat reserves the right to use your photographs. You do not own them. Once you've posted an image, you've lost control of it um, time and time again. One of the things I found out very recently, which I actually didn't know before, was if they have a my eyes only within Snapchat, which is usually that vault, which has a separate pin where they hide everything. My son informed me, he's now 21 and he's a huge advocate, so that's great. But he said to me, do you know that if you put in the incorrect password, I don't know, a couple of times, it basically destroys the vault. So if you're a parent, if your child has that vault and you ask your child, can you please put in the password? And they're like, "Mm, I've forgotten the password. They're hiding something. That's good information. Yeah. I did not know it. And I looked it up and sure as Bob. So they can, I mean, it, they can't retrieve what was in that account, but usually if it's, if it's full of nudes, they're more afraid of being caught and they're like, I don't care about that anymore, you know. I'm just yeah. going to make sure no one ever finds out it was there. That does not mean, though, that the images are not still sitting there somewhere. Right. And I think that's the other thing kids forget is that anyone else can take a screenshot. And if you take a screenshot, yes, you get a notification. But if someone else has got a phone and they take a photograph, of what's on the on the screen, no one gets a notification. So there's a lot of false, I don't know, myths that this information is evaporates and it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, I was gonna ask. Let me see. Okay, so I wanted to ask about the crash course that you offer to parents. Mm-hmm. So it's just thirty minutes because I know we're all time poor. And um, basically, I've divided it into five modules. So one is very short on the brain. And the other one is what risks our children can face. The mental health ramifications, because I think that's important to to address. No no parent wants a child with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And then I give parents the tips. This is what you need to do. So I go through, you know, the body safety education. And then I give them other tips like don't put your child in your profile photo. Um, you know, make sure you talk to your children about porn. Um, 
you know, uh, it, it's just basically a crash course. This is short and sweet. You don't, you're all, we're all time poor. I didn't want people to have to sit and think, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to slug over a two-hour course. It's right. not really that. And it probably should be more worded such as, like a, an information package or something rather than course. Because then the other thing I think is parents also don't like to be told that they don't know something. So, you know, I think that parents, you know, and and we're all guilty of that. But, you know, I think it it really is just helpful advice to provide parents with. And again, I don't come from a position of lecturing. I have been there. I have not managed to get through this unscathed. Um, And so I, I... I really present and deliver my message with empathy. I understand it's really hard. But if you can learn anything from my experience, please take note and your child will be safer. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Because yeah, well, it took that years to daughter, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, she's nine and she only gave me permission at 16. She only started talking about the incident at 15. So we're, we're really looking at a good five, six years. Yeah. where she told me at, at 15, I have just lived with such shame and remorse for all these years. Mm-hmm. So even though the police had said to her she was innocent, that does not rid the child of the shame. Yeah. And, and I think we do need to remember that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind sharing the game that she was, that she was using? Isn't that something that's still being... It, it was called Fresh Hotel. I don't believe oh. it's in existence any longer. Okay. But, you know, I, I, I think that, um, in fact, I actually read an article quite a few years ago that had been shut down because of the number of predators. Oh. So. But I think that the message is to parents that we're in it, whenever there's a chat function on any game, I had a mum reach out to me whose child was groomed by a scrabble. So, you know, <laughs> you know she was just playing scrabble with, somebody else in the world and they got on the chat and started grooming her so i think the yeah. message is really if there's a chat you need to be very very cautious i heard yeah. another mom talk about um because yeah she had had these conversations with their daughter and and like this she had very limited access to anything and uh it was through pinterest yeah i didn't I even know pinterest had a no. chat i was like what <laughs> Why does yeah. Pinterest even have a chat? Um, yeah, so. I've heard the same with Spotify. I haven't quite worked out how to, to oh. how they actually do it, but I have heard it. I do know Spotify is is swarming with porn, and I've already gone into that with the child lock on. Interesting. The podcasts are sitting there, um, so I'm very, very, very vigilant with my son. He's got a playlist, and he can only listen to Spotify when one of us is right next to him where we can just keep an eye on things and I think that's where the conversations are are important you know like the more we talk to them and say this is why we we just want to keep you safe Um, and it's not only porn it's also horror my my little boy was exposed at school two years ago to two children who showed him I don't know how the school Wi-Fi allowed this but a picture of Chucky and it so that's, oh. those are the two horror characters. Mm-hmm. And he did not sleep for three months. We are still, this is now, what? This is now 18 months later. We're still working mm-hmm. on getting his sleep back to normal. 
because as as my husband pointed out at this at about the age of eight children start to become more aware of the finality of death the fact that it is actually a reality this is just yes. developmentally correct in the way they develop um and so when but yet they're not always able to disassociate with what is fiction and reality right. and so he was convinced that chucky was going to come up the stairs you know and so i think we need to be very very aware of horror um as well and and violence because it can really it can really disturb children yeah and too many children these days are getting used to watching way way too much violence i agree i actually remember when that movie came out when i was a kid and i didn't even see the movie okay i just saw the commercial and i'm like yeah it was in my dream that night and i was like and i still remember now you know <laughs> sure i mean I later, you know i'm like yeah, yeah, I had a nightmare from the commercial for Chucky. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> and we showed him, we showed him how they put the makeup on. We wanted to like really, you know, separate the fact that this is actually just completely fictional. Made no difference. No, because yeah. it's yeah. it becomes part of the imagination. And, exactly, yeah. exactly, and that's what we want. We really want our children to be imaginative. We want our children to to get out and play. I say to parents, I'm big on delaying, and I'm like, you know what? ignore the mess the more mm. mess the more they're engaging with their imagination the more they're actually doing what children should do yes if you give them an ipad and they're silent you don't know what's going on on that ipad everything's tidy in the house maybe <laughs> but that is not being a child yeah i agree well i know like even uh i have a friend of mine who even as adults She's not able to watch any horror. And uh, we got along really great because I've never been, I've, I'm very sensitive to like horror movies or, or things like that, or even, even certain um, suggestive themes, because mm. you don't realize how much um, movies actually desensitize you to grooming activities, even as an adult. And Absolutely. that's one of the things that I don't think people are talking about. And we aren't, when we're watching a movie, we're being entertained or we're watching a TV show or we're watching, you know, something on a game or we're watching, you know, these, the different lore kind of things, whatever they're, they're there for a purpose, but they oftentimes have things that in your real life, if you're thinking about it, you're like, wait a minute, that's actually kind of abusive or mm -hmm. um, actually not uh, mentally or emotionally safe, even for adults, like, but because it's on TV or it's in a movie or it's in a video game or things like that, you're like, oh, it's just there. And it's like, actually. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Perception of like what's appropriate and what's normal and, and stuff. Exactly. So like that. Like no, I agree with you. You what? That's like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Hello, this go. is Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. Like. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> There, there, yeah. there are a lot, there are a lot of stuff like that. Like, um, I remember, uh, many years ago, um, my niece wanted us to read Twilight together. And then I was like, I don't like this guy. And I couldn't figure it. I was like, I don't like this guy. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I don't like this guy. What's wrong with this guy? Like, 
<laughs> you know, and then I started kind of breaking it apart. And I don't know if you've read the Twilight series or not. I'm not no. speaking possibly of the author or anything like that. She's a very creative woman and she's done a great job putting together uh, something. Mm. But um, the main character, uh, she gets isolated from all of her friends. She gets isolated from her family. She has to leave a situation where she has any connection of her own. All of her connections become through this guy. The guy breaks into her room and he stalks her and he watches her sleep at night. And like <laughs> all of these things. And they're like, he's the dreamiest guy. And I'm like, I am terrified for this girl. <laughs> like, yeah. legitimately, you know, and they have it kind of portrayed as like, he is one who has loved her through the age because he's a vampire. So, but right. I'm like, like the whole premise is that he is um, aggressive and he has to like hold back, you know, this anger to keep himself from literally That's killing terrible. her. God, so terrible. romantic. So, when people talk about it, they're like, oh, he was meant to love her, but he was born in 1900, blah, 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 and she was born now, and blah, blah. I'm like, well, why on earth would you want somebody that's a hundred years old? Exactly. You're a high school student. So anyways, so I, I say those things to say it, it is a good practice anyway to be critical of the themes that you're watching in movies. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. And it was interesting, my daughter's observation about Father Christmas. I know you do call him Santa Claus. I mean, you know, spot on. He is yeah. a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just let him into our house. So, right. yeah, I mean, that, that was a very, very interesting, which is why I didn't argue at the time. I was like, okay, yes, you're right. You're right. But <laughs> things outside, you know, because I never had a child say that to me before. Right. Um, so, but, but you're right. And, and I guess it also feeds into, the, you know, the hypersexualized world that we're living in. And this is also grooming children, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, one of the first things that most predators will do is engage in some form of sexualized chat or, or kind of like with my daughter role playing. And, and for many children who haven't had any kind of, um, I guess, supervision, you know, some of them have already been exposed to porn and what they're seeing on porn is really horrific. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've had to, in my work, go and look, and I'm like, whoa, this is insanity. Um, and and it's, it's, it's incredible, incredibly problematic um, how I, it's, an, it's, it's like my husband has said, it's, we're seeing the demise of childhood. <laughs> that's, that's what he said, yeah. which is really sad. You know, he said yeah. childhood is a relatively new concept, but we're pretty much seeing the demise of childhood. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm just grateful that I still have a little boy of nine who sleeps with a soft toy at night and, you know, he still needs us to cuddle him and tuck him in and read him a story. But, yeah. you know, there, there are many kids who, who are not in that position. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately not. Um, any last things you want to share with our, um, our audience today or last thoughts? Well, I guess, you know, I just... I just want parents to understand that I know it's hard. It is hard. It is really hard. We're all time poor. It isn't easy to, to think about constant supervision, yeah. but 
at the same time, one of the analogies I use is we have an area in Sydney, King's Cross, which is a pretty rough area at night. And I say to the, I say to parents, my child would probably be safer on a Friday night at 11 o'clock going to King's Cross on the train because there's bound to be one or two other adults that are like, what is this child doing alone? Online, there's none of that. Right. So we, we, we really have to be more vigilant online um, yeah. with our children in order to protect them. Because once an incident happens, you can't take back that time. And believe me, if I could, I would, but I can't. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have actually on my website, so it's notmykid.com.au, I've got some actual dialogue that I've actually had with my son. So verbatim dialogue on in the blogs um to just help parents along with the conversations and um other than that they're most welcome to join the not my kid parent group on facebook yeah i think that's really helpful uh and i'm really so glad that you were here today i mean i think it's one of those that um we want parents to feel empowered and not helpless and i think that's that's right Exactly. And, and and I think that as a parent, having navigated it and knowing how incredibly lonely it was, my mission really is to let other parents know I'm here to support you. You know, I'm not here to judge you. I'm, I'm here to support you and to help you um, through my own experience. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure. It was wonderful. Really thank it. you. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoy hearing stories of persons with lived experience, please rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast.